0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 111. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks and the Nuisance Committee. Please stay tuned after the show for a special message about the 2016 presidential election. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Very well, Mr. Snell. I'm ready to upgrade my week.
1: Good. Well, that's how we start here. We go early in the week so that that your week is nice and upgraded. For, I don't know how that works. Yes. Good
0: and dear listeners, dear Upgradians, you only have a, a matter of a few days left to upgrade your wardrobe. There will once again be links in the show notes to the Cotton Bureau t-shirts and Teespring t-shirts and merchandise. Um, These are ending between, we have different ending dates, unfortunately, for different campaigns. Basically, make sure that your order is in before Friday, the 21st of October, to ensure that you get either one of the amazing Upgrade logo t-shirts, the Brain Ball t-shirts, or the Upgrade hoodie. We have uh, US and EU shipping for certain items. All the links will be in the show notes. This is your warning. If you do not get them in before the next episode, you will miss out on this amazing merchandise exactly everybody uh, out there in imessage land can rejoice today for the relay <laughs> fm sticker pack has been released upon the world oh finally, finally. we've been working you very can- hard on this um which is why it's taken us a little bit of time because there's some stuff that we wanted to do which is going to make the experience great from now and into the future but there is a Relay FM sticker pack now as part of the Relay FM iOS app. So it's version one point five, included our beautiful sticker pack. So you can go ahead and get this now, and you will be able to uh, either update the app or download the app for the first time, and then you will be able to enable the lovely Relay FM stickers. And there are stickers for all of the great shows, all and, the uh, great shows, including the Upgrading Seal, the Brain Ball, a Pepperoni Pineapple Pizza. And an Uh Ask Upgrade sticker, which I recommend you send to all of your friends with lasers. Yes, absolutely. So go out and get that. So it's in the App Store, Mm -hmm. but there'll, of course, be a link in the show notes, so you can uh, go and get the Relay FM app on the App Store. Jason, a little bit of Twitter follow-up. So we've been following um, Twitter's potential buyout or sale, and there is an article on The Verge this week basically stating... That it seems that everybody who was rumored to potentially be interested in buying the Twitter has effectively pulled pulled themselves out, including the Salesforce CEO, who is what is his name, Mark Benioff, who told yeah. the Financial Times that the company has has walked away. Uh, so they've explicitly <laughs> said that they're not interested. And The Verge's sources at various companies. Uh, that seem to be interested, like Google or Disney or Twitter, or sorry, Twitter or Apple, Twitter could buy themselves. Um, they've basically said that everyone is seeming to say, no, we are not interested in this. So, as it stands yep. right now, nobody wants to buy Twitter.
1: The Salesforce thing is interesting, too, because that's a case where it sounds like major investors in Salesforce basically went to Mark Benioff and were like, mm-hmm, no. No, we're not doing uh, don't that. don't don't do that. And he was like, "Well, we were just we were just investigating." And they're like, "Well, stop." And he's like, "All right, okay, we'll stop." Um, the only it's interesting because then you know what happens if uh, a company wants to be bought out and nobody wants to buy them. And I found a, a post that uh, I think somebody linked to me on Twitter that is from uh, somebody writing uh, on uh, his own blog, but it's a it's a, an investor uh, essentially suggesting. That what um, most likely will happen is a uh, is that a strategic buyer will come in, like private equity might come in and buy out Twitter. And his argument is um, that a what he calls a Wall Street bastard will come in and uh, improve the product and cut the expenses and he this guy john hempton who wrote this basically says there's a business here somebody who's an investor will see that there's a there's a good business to be had here by changing what it is and cutting a lot of people and uh and making changes and that that that's the most likely scenario is that especially as twitter's stock falls uh in the in a moment of like people stopping the anticipation of a of a buyout that uh somebody could come in with private money and buy it and uh and and take it over and make some huge changes to it and this guy who wrote this blog post also hates jack dorsey um mm. and thinks that he's a uh, a fashion plate who doesn't actually care about it uh, i don't know how realistic this is but that I, I think as the stock gets depressed because everybody realizes that there's nobody out there who actually wants to buy Twitter, then that's when somebody will buy Twitter because the, the Twitter stock price has been one of the big impediments to the purchase. So that that may happen now that the, the Twitter's going to get bought rumors have
0: sort of fallen on hard times. Because it's basically with everybody pulling out it's getting to the point now where the stock price is so low it's maybe becoming attractive for these people i right. guess right
1: and and the stock price was high in anticipation that some big pocketed buyer was going to come in mm-hmm. and have to make an offer that was going to buy at, at the at the higher price even though that was there was a piece a while ago that i think we might have referenced on the podcast that was very much that that um that twitter's problem was that anticipation of a sale had driven its price up above what its actual value is and therefore there couldn't really be a sale because you'd be overpaying for twitter but uh this you know that all signs point to no buyer now which means that the, pr- the stock price might start to drain away and then
0: open it uh, up for somebody else to uh to to come in and buy it so over the weekend the apple store in regent street was reopened i saw that i saw your video yep so i went down to take a look i've been super excited about this thing for for quite a while to reopen I love the Regent Street store. I've always loved it. And I love the new stores, like the one that we saw in Union Square in, in San Francisco. Um, so Apple have reopened it. I went down there. I took some video, which I put on my vlog. Um, I recommend go watching it because this place is absolutely stunning. It is unbelievable. It's by far and away the best uh, of these Apple stores that I've seen. I've seen the one in Memphis, which was one actually one of the first ones, if not the first one, that had some of these elements Um, I've seen the one in in San Francisco, and now I've seen this one in London, and they absolutely nailed it. This is absolutely fantastic. A couple of my favorite um, features in this store are the uh, the, on the stairs, like the handrails are carved into stone, and I read in a TechCrunch article that it's Italian limestone, and the angles of the, the handrails are... And like they the cut at an angle as such that matches the angles on Apple's products. So like the, the curve <laughs> okay. in the handrail. I mean, I love little things like that. And this is something that I noticed when I was in the store, but it seemed a bit strange to me at the time. None of the devices are tethered to the desks. So like you can just pick up the iPhone. There's like no cable on it at all. And the, in this TechCrunch article, it says that basically Apple have are not going to be doing this now in their stores. They're not going to be tethering to the desks anymore because they want you to be able to pick up and walk around with them so you can kind of feel what they're like. But if you try and leave the store, they're immediately bricked. Huh. So you can just pick up the iPhones now. And you see it in the video. I pick up uh, one of the Jet Black iPhone Pluses, the the 7 Plus, and I'm kind of just handling it, and there's absolutely no cable in it, no tether on it at all. And I wondered if that was something that they were just doing for day one, um but it's that's uh how it's going to be done going forward now which is so very ha- interesting
1: did you say have you been to the one the new one in san francisco
0: yeah i was there during the uh, wwdc week right okay so you have been to that one um
1: yep. i missed that the uh that because that's what re- the video that you took that's what it reminded me of right it's the yeah. trees and the grove mm-hmm. and all of that it's like this is this is the new apple store model
0: yeah But I've got to say this one to me is the most impressive. Hmm. Um, I just thought it was absolutely stunning. Everything about it, like how open the store is and how it all kind of leads to the back and then up these beautiful stairs where they have the screen and then there's more product stuff at the back and the trees line this walkway down to the back of the store. Um, It is absolutely stunning. Uh, If you are in London or visiting London at any point I thoroughly recommend this. I mean, the Covent Garden store is beautiful. It's the biggest in the world because it's sprawling across these floors. I cannot wait to see what they do to that store now. Um but this Regent Street store is uh, I think it's a real landmark now. It's always been one of Apple's flagship stores, but they they put a uh, a big a big effort into this one, I think. And there's an executive uh, briefing Room in the back,
1: mm-hmm. according to TechCrunch, that's like the secret, uh, secret boardroom, which is uh, that's that's cool. I can I can imagine Apple doing like uh, product briefings with journalists in 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 that area, right? Just come on back. Yeah, so I right I, I
0: know that um, there there are offices above the store that Apple uses. It's actually some of the headquarters for a lot of Apple's London stuff, and they do briefings there. Mm. Um, so they may now relocate those briefings to this new room. Uh, in the in the actual store,
1: although apparently they're, I mean, because they're going to take up many uh, portions of the Battersea power station, right? Eventually, so I wonder if eventually yeah. everything everything will be there because that was a, that was another big story. Apple made a bunch of uh, international uh, facilities announcements, and one of them was unifying their London operations at the at the old Battersea power station, which as is going a part to be of amazing. The,
0: it's going to be amazing. So. Maybe that'll I think be. they're taking something like six floors of the new building, which is so the yeah. building's being renovated. Um, and it seems like Apple's going to be taking a significant chunk to, to unify a lot of their European effort, I think. The, uh, this is what happens when a company can't move its money back. It starts yeah. buying real estate. Right?
1: Yeah, and and that's that's exactly what's happening. Is that is that it's it also is a change in Apple's culture that uh, Apple is is uh, you know now more, much more than it was when Steve Jobs came back. Now it's it's a embraced its uh, uh, international uh, nature and has people all over the world working for Apple and and groups in you know many countries.
0: It's like this weird thing where they've always been there, but now they're kind of acknowledging it in a weird way, by making bold right. statements and bold And creating, moves. yeah,
1: campuses and all of that. And if people don't know outside of the, uh, the UK, don't know what Battersea Power Station is, it's right on the Thames. It's got these four huge smokestacks. You've probably seen it if you've watched any British TV shows because either as itself or doubling as some, you know, unnamed industrial complex in a James Bond movie or a Doctor Who episode, it's been used in a lot of different TV shows. It's iconic and that's why they can't tear it down. But uh, it's not being used as a power station anymore. No. So what do you do when Apple's taking over? Oh,
0: you may know it from the Pink Floyd Animals album. It's uh, the sure. building that they flew the inflatable pink pig over the top of. That's, <laughs> that's the power station. That's the one. Because I know when I was tweeting about this on the day that Apple announced the sale, every reply I had featured Pink Floyd in some some manner. Talking cool. about Apple scaling up, we've seen some news today from our good friend Mr. Mark German that of Apple scaling back on the uh, Titan plan. Project Titan is the code name of Apple's car initiative. So uh, the new German news is that there have been hundreds of job cuts inside of that team uh, because the the project, the team is now on a new direction. They are confirmed via German sources to no longer be building a car. This was something that was uh, rumored that there was a change, but apparently now he's found out that they are no longer focusing on building a car, but leadership has put focus on building an autonomous driving system that will allow Apple to have the flexibility of either partnering with an existing car maker or to give them kind of the brains to return to designing their own car in the future. And Apple have been hiring more people that have a focus on this. So whilst they haven't cut the size of the team down, they've just cut the people out, I think, that were focusing on hard car hardware design and they're restaffing with people that can help in the autonomous effort. Apple executives have given the Titan team until the end of next year to prove feasibility of the project. Uh-huh. When I look at this, I kind of see a couple of things. I think this is probably the right move because I think just just deciding you're going to design a car when you're a computer company <laughs> is, a, is a bold and, and I think kind of stupid move. Big leap. Big leap. Um, And I think if they can build something like this, if they can build the brains, they can either decide to to work with a car company later, it gives them the road to buy a car company later, knowing that they have something they can actually do with that company, or they Mm -hmm. can return to making their own car later on, once they've actually worked out if they can do something interesting. And clearly, what Apple, if Apple are going to get into the car game, they need to get in the future of the car game. And for a company like Apple you know, the the electronic stuff and, you know, the 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 battery powered stuff, that's doable, right? There are enough companies doing it now, it's technology that's known, it can be done. But the autonomous stuff that's still in the infancy, right, in, in, the, in the automotive industry. So if Apple feel like they can do something there and by the end of the next year feel like they have something worthwhile, I think that's my, when they might go back to working on a car again. And I think this is probably the right solution. Make sure you actually have something to give to the world before you start trying to build a product, which is leaps and bounds outside of what you're currently doing.
1: I mean, we talk about this uh, from time to time, and th- when we've talked about the Apple Car Project, there's often been this kind of head-scratching aspect of it, which is, how, do- how does this work? Like, we we generally agree, like, it makes sense for Apple to investigate things like this. This is an area where they've got a lot of expertise in certain areas. Maybe this is something that they can do. They've got the money to do this. Why not them? If we look out at an industry that's ripe for change, it's the car industry, that it's not going to be the same in 10 or 15 years as it is today. All of those things are true. And yet when we try to imagine like the, the product it started to get weird, mm-hmm. like imagining an you know a line of Apple cars and Apple dealerships, Apple sales. It just it, it all started to feel a little bit weird, and we we all kind of we kind of try to force our way through it and all that. I think it's interesting to see that that this has apparently gone on inside of Apple, where the the initial thing was let's see about making a car, right? And also, I should say. This is the kind of thing that uh, for many companies with many products, this happens behind closed doors and you don't hear anything about it. And unfortunately for Apple, everything it does is under so much scrutiny that... An exploration of a direction which, you you know, companies should be able to do and they should be able to decide against making certain products. And I'm sure there are many small products that we don't ever hear about that that Apple goes through with the same thing where they investigate them and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. But this one was so huge and Apple so big that we heard, we heard about it. So they said, let's make a car. Let's see about making a car. And they worked on that for a couple of years. And then at some point, somebody said, this is not working. Like, this is... either." Either the uh, German story cites sort of some leadership issues. It sounds like too, maybe the fundamental question of why are we you know, why are we doing all of these things? Does this all make sense? And so when they reorged, it seems like they said, let's go back to basics. Let's stop planning on building a, an entire car and start with the stuff that we're best at and that uh, will give us a foundation of technologies that we can then use. In a car in the future, or we can license it out, or we can have a partnership, which I always thought was the most likely scenario, was some sort of strategic partnership and investment with a car maker um, that would have cars that were powered by Apple, but that Apple wouldn't buy a whole car maker uh, or make a car by itself. I still don't know if Apple really wants to be in the business of being a, an OEM for car software. Right, <laughs> that seems unlikely to me. So. Uh, But still, there are lots of possibilities here. This could amount to nothing. This could be Apple could go down the road with this. (laughs) Uh, Road metaphor. Uh, Apple could go down the road with this and decide that it's a good product, but it's sort of outside of what Apple usually does and spin it off or sell it. Uh, or Apple could decide to build their own car. They could decide to make that partnership or they could decide to license this technology to multiple automakers. Those are all, you know, those are all possibilities. I feel like the Apple brand is so powerful that if you put this stuff in a car, you'd almost want to co-brand it or brand it. Even if even if GM made it, you'd almost want to have it be like a Saturn was or something as a an Apple kind of side brand rather than it being the the automaker but there's a lot of options out there i don't know i i like the idea that they're going back to basics which is what are, what are we best at because building the car was is is completely outside of apple's expertise but the the hardware the technology stuff is and, and the software is in their wheelhouse not you know not for car specific but in the fact that that's a that's a thing that apple uh, generally everybody would agree
0: does well so we'll see on that one.
1: Yeah, I like the idea that, they, that they've that they also got a little bit of a deadline. That was part of the report, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that you got till the end of next year to prove this is feasible. And again, this is a Blue Sky project. There is every possibility that they will spend all this time and money on it and say, you know what? We don't need to do this. And 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 people will say, well, that was a waste of time and money. Well, yeah, you know, that's R&D investment. You've got you've to investigate this stuff. If you think there's an opportunity there in your Apple and you've got uh, all this money, you're trying to find the next big thing. It's just like what Google does. You're trying to find the next big thing so that you're always moving forward. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And I think it's a sign of a mature organization for them to put a lot of money into something and then say, you know what? It didn't work. Like, and we're not going to throw more money at this because this is turns out this is not where we want to go, and we're not going to keep chasing after the sunk cost of our investment into the into the car business. So, you know, I I I hope I still believe that the car industry is going to be transformed in the next ten or fifteen years, and I would love for Apple to have a seat at the table. But, uh, you know, the, I I like I actually really like the fact that they're trying to it seems like they're keeping a skeptical eye on this and that they're not believing like we're gonna we're gonna march in and completely transform with our brand new car that we drop in 2020 or whatever and instead are are maybe thinking a little more
0: realistically there are many seats at this table that apple can take car maker doesn't have to be one of those seats
1: yeah i agree and and certainly not now right i think that i think that's the the big thing like leaving your options open for later is fine but do you need to do all of it right now and i think they, and i think they bit off maybe more than they could chew and then and then part of this reorg is that of saying why don't we go back to the focus on the stuff that that we're best at and
0: pursue that for a while and see where it leads us this week's episode of upgrade is brought to you by fresh books if you haven't tried out fresh books yet i want you to listen up some exciting stuff today I want you to think about this. Picture this for me a moment. You're racing against the clock to wrap up those multiple projects that you're working on right now. You're prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon. You've got a conference call that you need to take care of, all whilst trying to tackle the mountain of paperwork that is building up. Welcome to life as a freelancer, as an independently employed person. This is what it is like on a daily basis. It can be challenging, but our friends at FreshBooks believe that those rewards are worth it, and they build tools to make these challenges easier for all of us. The working world has changed. with The growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for people to become self-employed. There are opportunities now that just didn't exist before and the internet has enabled that. So to meet this need, FreshBooks has been working tirelessly on an all new version of their cloud accounting software. The new FreshBooks has been redesigned from the ground up and is custom-built to work exactly the way you do. You'll be able to be more productive and organized whilst also being paid quicker than ever. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's packed with powerful features. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, and they now have a new system with this, which I think is amazing. You build your invoices in a WYSIWYG interface. You choose the fonts, you choose the template, you choose the colors, and as you're typing everything in, you're actually building it on the invoice that will be sent so you're not just seeing like a form that you fill in which generates an invoice the invoice that you generate is exactly how it's going to be seen by your clients so you'll know exactly how everything is going to look you'll be able to set up online payments with just a couple of clicks this is why FreshBooks customers get paid up to four days faster then you'll also see when your client has seen your beautiful invoice, no more guessing games, no more chaser emails. And FreshBooks also have something that is super cool. This an all new notification system, which they kind of building like a personal assistant. So every time you log into FreshBooks, you get an update on things that are changing in your business. And they also say to you, Hey, you need to look at this, this, and this, like this invoice is late. This one you usually send out at this time. Maybe you should do it now. Like they give you these prompts of things that you could just jump in, get what you need to be done and jump out again. So, all of these new features are coupled with this beautiful redesign focusing on simplicity and clarity, giving you a bird's eye view of your business at all times. FreshBooks is completely focused on the question of how is my business doing? And this is how they're building their new product. No more guessing games of what's owed or overdue is presented clearly and simply to you FreshBooks is offering a 30 day unrestricted free trial to listeners of this show just go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade and enter the code upgrade in the how you heard about us section so they know that you came to them from this show thank you so much to FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. seriously guys it is beautiful Woo. they took me through a demo of it it's amazing very amazing and just as a quick note like if you're an existing FreshBooks customer this will be coming to you they're kind of uh, staging out slowly, so they make sure they've got all the features in place, which I think is also another cool thing. You wrote a great little article. Uh, I Aww. heard about this article on one of my favorite podcasts, which is the uh, Six Colors Secret Subscriber podcast, which, you, which you do with uh, Dan Warren. That's where I, I find out about all of your articles by listening to you from this, uh, from this, this podcast here. Yeah.
1: Yes, and if people would like to listen to that, they just need to become a Six Colors uh, subscriber, and then they get the access to the secret feed. It's a very easy thing, we talk thing to for, do. We talk for half an hour every week. It's just a conversation. It's nice. It's different from other podcasts I do. It's, it's like nice. a
0: meeting. It's like you're just sitting in on the meeting.
1: Yeah, I don't close my door. The dog walks in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's noise and stuff. The washing machine it's, comes it's, on
0: sometimes. Uh, sometimes. It's See? different. Go become a Six Colors member and you'll get the show. We did. This
1: was my piece at Macworld last week because I write a piece at Macworld every week. And this was uh, because I went to Arizona. So last week I was in Arizona. I was in the desert getting all the um, moisture sucked out of my body by the desert like it does. And uh, and I traveled uh, with... Actually, I brought my MacBook Air with me and my iPad. And that was uh, the first time I had done that in a little while where I really was uh, had both of them there. And that was...
0: Uh, It was instructive to me. So the reason I wanted to touch on this today is for a couple of things. I want to kind of do a check in with us both, like how we are using our devices still and if and how that's changing, but also because in listening to you talk about this and in reading the article, even though I talk to you every week on the show, I was given a much kind of refreshed and greater insight into the fact of just how important the iPad has become for you. Um, mm-hmm. In a way that I don't think me or you would have expected um, before the iPad Pro. Yeah, Sometimes writing makes you
1: realize things about yourself that <laughs> I found. I wrote the article and it was a bit of a journey for me as I t- by the time I got to the end.
0: So basically, this, this piece is kind of going into detail about the way that the iPad and the Mac are occupying roles in your life, especially focusing on when traveling, but I thought maybe check into this in a bit more detail. So I guess one of the sure. things that that is a constant thread it's been something we've spoken about for so long is podcasting, right? And there's there's kind of been some advancements in this, you know, I know that you use uh and and love ferrite. Uh-huh. which is a great for application for for podcast editing. And there's kind of another thing that I've been thinking about which I wanted to touch on. Uh so it's not so much for me anymore, the edit, because I know that there are tools that can do this. It's not even so much for me anymore, like the Skype thing, because it doesn't work very well, but you can kind of make it happen, right? By using multiple devices. But the other thing that I have found these days is when I'm traveling, I'm usually traveling to places where I'm going to be recording shows. That's one of the main reasons that I would take a laptop with me is for that reason now. And I have recognized that a key um, hole, which I can't uh, f- perceive being fixed anytime soon, is backup recordings. And this is yeah. something that's very important to me. Whenever I record a show, I have three recordings running. I have Core Recorder, I have Audio Hijack, and I have the backup that's coming from the streaming system. Yep. And this is because I have lost calls. I have had bugs. I have had crashes, and. When I am recording these shows to provide for my living, right, it becomes yeah. very important that backups are essential for this, because if, yep. if this was just me and you and we had our show that we just did together, and you know maybe we had sponsors or maybe we didn't, and it crashed, and you know we'd lost the show and we couldn't re record because of our schedules, okay, like we'll just move it to the next time. But we need to put these shows out every week because it's a Jeff. business right? Yep. This is part of a business. We do this because we love this, but it is an important part of the way that me and you make money. So losing a show is like the worst possible thing that could happen. Sure. So I now, like, I think my key thing now, and I know I keep moving the goalposts on this, but this is kind of just the way it's going to have to be. <laughs> there has to be the ability to not only record, not only be able to hear someone, not only be able to have the interface for these devices, but also to have backups. Yeah,
1: it's... uh it's true that this is still what I said to Dan in the secret podcast was, uh, you can do a lot of things like 90% of the things I want to do. I can do on my iPad. And then that other 10%, some of them you can work around them and some of them you can't, but the, some of the workarounds put you on the razor's edge. And, and that's exactly what you're saying, which is you can do it, but you have no latitude, no, uh, chance of recovering from a failure if you do that. And I I don't love that. And I think we'll get there on iOS. I I think um, one of my realizations uh, that came out while I was writing that article is, have I bought my last Mac laptop ever? I don't know that this MacBook Air that I have is my last Mac laptop ever but it's an i7 from 2013 it's powerful yeah it's an 11-inch screen and non retina which means that it's dwarfed by my ipad screen <laughs> but it's very powerful i can edit a podcast on it i can do all of my i can generate charts for six colors i can do all that stuff on it and then i think okay so i i can use that for another couple years easy and then I think, okay, what's the iPad going to be like in a couple of years? Because if the iPad in the next two or three years closes the gap on all the other features that uh, it currently can't do and the Mac can do, then in a couple of years, again, I'll be in this position of what, why do I need to buy a laptop? Because I, now my iPad can do all those things. So mm-hmm. I find it funny, and it may very well be that I buy another Mac laptop, but I find it funny that I actually wonder now if I will ever do that or if I don't need one. By the time I need to buy a new Mac laptop, will I need to buy a Mac laptop anymore? And I don't I don't know. It sort of depends on how Apple does with the with the iPad. there's some key things that it needs to add. but it's just a funny thing. and the other realization I had was about um, uh, about essential hardware. and I know you know you've felt this way too. My iPad's coming with me. Right. My iPad is not ever going to be left at home. That's never going to happen. That is an essential part of my travel kit. The MacBook is optional. The MacBook, I have to think about, do I need to bring it? And I thought that was a really funny turn too. And again, I'm not the average user. Everybody's going to be different. I've heard from people who said, I, I feel exactly the opposite and that's fine. But I had a strange realization about myself that that for me, that MacBook is like optional tech that I might, not, I might eventually not ever need again. And that's weird because that used to be the computer I used. That used to be the device I used for 100% of my work, that very laptop.
0: I guess a key thing to just mention, this isn't the Mac, it is Mac laptops.
1: Yeah, yeah, we should talk about that, because I, I am sitting at a Mac right now, you are too. My work day is at a Mac. I don't use, I mean, I use an iPad to get work done, but when I am at work, at home here, sitting at my desk, um, my 5K iMac is my device of choice. <laughs> this is where I do almost all of my work all day long. <laughs> So it's not, it's not that, but in the context of of travel or of going out in the other room, going out to the living room of the house, things like that, the Mac is rarely involved now. It's sort of sit down at my desk, do my
0: work, use my professional tools, write articles, things like that. So do you only sit at the Mac when you're writing or recording? Um... No, I mean I do
1: other stuff. I'm moving files around and I'm doing email and things like that. I mean this is my this is this is home base. I will take breaks from this and and go in the other room and maybe do some stuff on the iPad. But when I'm working I'm I'm at the Mac. And so Slack and Twitter and all that other stuff is happening here. What I what I try not to do is is um is read a lot on the Mac because I know that I, I could just read those articles on the iPad and that would be better. I should basically stand up, stretch my legs if I want to read an article, like mm-hmm. use uh, use iCloud uh, tabs or whatever to to just open that article on my iPad in Safari and read it there. Uh, but uh, when I'm at my desk, that's I'm, I'm using my Mac. Uh, like I'm, I'm very focused on it. It's 27 inches diagonal. There's a lot of room to put windows. Lots of stuff is going on.
0: Yeah, I um, I, I purely consider my Mac as a focused tool. Uh, it is something that I use to produce podcasts and videos. Like that, that's what I'm doing with it now. Like i I've been spending. Yeah, more, it's your professional tool. I've been spending more time at the Mac recently than usual because I've also been using Final Cut. Right, so that is uh, large, large, large amounts of time spent editing in final cut and it's funny i've i've noticed um in the last few weeks that my computing life has lacked some delight and and i think it's because i've been spending more time at the mac and for me like i enjoy computing on my ipad um what the mac it's like this is work stuff this is like projects to be done work to be completed but mm-hmm. when i'm on my ipad it's i find it a more pleasurable experience like reading twitter checking slack at the mac is just not yeah f- fun for me so that that was the moment that
1: actually prompted this entire article for me was i'm in arizona and i i had the mac i had the macbook air out because i needed to do something that was on the macbook air and then i found that i was not um I found that then I was looking at Slack or something. I sort of completed my task and I had like Slack and Twitter going and I Mm -hmm. thought I need to put this away. Like I, 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 now, now I'm in the Slack and Twitter zone where I'm just reading things and interacting with people and the reason, and I, I would have a better experience on my iPad and that was when I closed the laptop. And that was, that was just a funny moment of there are things that the Mac can do, but I greatly prefer them on the iPad. And it's not like, I think like I have pains when I use Slack on my Mac here in my office, but if all I'm doing is looking at Slack and Twitter and reading articles on the web, the Mac is not, is the worst tool for that compared to the iPad. It's a worse tool for that. It just is It, it for me. It's, it's less ergonomic. <laughs> it's less comfortable. There's, I would much rather have a little thing I can carry around with me than to sit at a desk or ha- sit in, in like typing pose on a laptop with a, a, a small non-retina screen tilted. You know, And some of that could be you buy a bigger laptop and all those things and, and solve some of that. But it's just it was that, that moment of realization that there are things that there are certain modes that I would prefer to do on my iPad and not my laptop. So it's funny that we've gone to
0: here. Talking about ergonomics, though, you mentioned in the article um, about some of the issues of using the iPad uh, when writing when traveling with the 12.9 because you don't have a, a way to kind of comfortably rest this on your lap.
1: Yeah, 12.9 is is big, and I, I love it, and I think it's actually a great… Uh, sort of disembodied screen. And I think um, with an external keyboard at a table or a desk, it's fantastic, but it's not something you can really put in your lap without a case that adds so much bulk that I've tried all those cases or many of those cases and I don't like them at all because it makes it huge. And so I end up compromising and not writing... When I'm at my mom's house with just the iPad, I go to her table and I put down my Bluetooth keyboard and my iPad, and I sit there and write and It's not great ergonomically, but I can do a lot of writing and With the MacBook Air, I actually wrote a couple of articles on you know, sitting on one of her couches with the MacBook Air in my lap, and I realized well, this is nice, you know I don't have to be at the table like I do with the iPad, which is not to say that the that the uh, the the 9.7 I, I i keep coming back to the 9.7 inch ipad pro with that logitech keyboard is like an amazing portable writing tool but i prefer the 129 and you know that that's the one that i bought is the 12.9, 129 inch ipad pro and so i prefer i prefer that one and that one is a, a harder sell as a uh, as a write on your lap kind of device you can balance some things on your lap like the smart cover
0: but it's not It's not great. It's yeah. So I was writing the show notes this morning on the couch with my twelve point nine inch iPad in my lap using the smart keyboard. So like, I think my way I was thinking about this is it can be done. Like I do it all the time. However, we're doing very different things. And I imagine sitting and writing for an hour, I don't know if I would want to do that. Yeah. Like I have it in my lap and I'm like typing out an email and then I just carry on. It's not a great experience, I imagine, to sit and do focused writing.
1: It's not, it's not great. I mean, I can write an email just in the software keyboard too. I can write an article in the software keyboard too, but uh, you're, you're trading off every, every little bit has some, some trade off about it. And I just, you know, the laptop is really great. It's designed to sit in your lap and let you type and you don't need to, it's a laptop, right? You don't (laughs) have to have a table. You can just put it in your lap and the iPads are not as great for that, especially if you don't have an accessory. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge there, but the, I don't know. It was, um, the iPad is capable as it is. It just, it reminded me of all of the things that it can't do that, um, as I was saying to Dan, cause Dan's going to be making a, an international trip pretty soon for a, an extended period of time. And, um, and one of the things that I said to him was the iPad is not flexible in the same way that the Mac is like, you, you know what the iPad can do, but the, the Mac can do anything. Like the Mac can do anything you need. If any any eventuality while you're traveling that you need to do something, you know you can you can find a way to get the Mac to do it. And the iPad, there are lots of things that are like on the little on the edges, and you realize, oh, I can't use the iPad for this. I need a Mac now. And so that that's just where we are. And there there are there's software you 've you 've got a bit here in the show notes i mean there 's so many things that that the Mac can do that there are sometimes workarounds for on iP- iPad, but sometimes not like you know having having the terminal having command line stuff in the terminal, having scripts and automator stuff, which again there are workflows, but they aren 't necessarily as powerful. Um, and can't do everything. The file management stuff is is problematic for Ding. Hi Merlin, uh, the fi- right? Because file management, like you put in an SD card and it thinks that it's for photos and videos. But what if you've got a word file on there or an audio file on there? You should be able to open those in an app on your iPad because it's your iPad has a an SD card connected to it for Pete's sake. And yet you can't because as far as the iPad's concerned, SD cards only contain photos and movies. That's it. So. That's, a, that's another limitation. Um, we do a lot of audio work, right? There are all these audio plugins. So, there are a few audio plugins that are available on iOS, but it's a brand new kind of interface on, on iOS. And most of the stuff that I use is not available in an iOS version. Mm-hmm. And so if I want to line up my files and denoise them before I start editing them and I want to edit them on my iPad, guess what? I prep all the files on my Mac and then I edit them on my iPad. It's not a... A full on ipad experience so you know the list goes on depending on what you're what you're doing yeah. like uh six colors charts yeah. yeah at an apple event right the six colors charts i have a whole thing where i'm actually just taking screenshots on my mac but they're uh retina uh, size and then i run a script and it uploads them and all of that well i can do that on my ipad but it is very much a more painful process because i have to take an ipad screenshot and then i have to crop it using a different app and then i have to upload it using a workflow and it's and uh so when the last time i took a trip with my mac it was because there were going to be apple results while we were on the trip and i didn't want to commit to doing charting on my ipad where time is of the essence and building those charts on the ipad is just going to take three times as long as on the mac so I think
0: it's like the, it's the legacy of this platform that enables these things. It's the legacy of the Mac platform because you know we know how we use computers, and this thing can just be used as a computer. But the iPad is a different computer; it's a new thing, so it can't do yeah. all of that stuff, but just different stuff. Like for example, like I was just—I mean, and look, people will have their ways of doing this, but I needed to download a YouTube video. I don't even know. I don't know how to do it on the Mac. There isn't a way to do that. You'd have to get an app. I don't know what app to get. Yeah, I have a Safari plugin that does that. But sure. I mean, I have no doubt that there are things that do it. But for me, the easiest way to do it was to open the Workflow app. Yeah. And run a download YouTube workflow, which I have, yep. and then just airdrop it back to the Mac again to put into Final Cut. <laughs> and it's because I think I am of a different. I am of a like a, a different mindset. I'm of a different age isn't the right phrase because there are people um that are younger than me and know how to do all of this stuff easily on the Mac, but I'm like of a different mindset of the way that I've been brought up in computing. You know, not somebody who, who has ever really bothered to to be very focused on on code and all the rigmarole you know like I'm talking about things like terminal and I'm talking about command line utilities and Apple script and all that sort of stuff this stuff just doesn't make any sense to me right but what I am able to do is to understand something like workflow which just makes a ton more sense to the way that I work
1: yeah, and workflow, I find workflow doesn't make a lot of sense. That that there it's it's even more like automator. You have to you have these blocks that do very strange things and you're you're because your vocabulary is so limited, you have to do like five steps in order to get it to do something that should probably only take one or two. And I understand, and you know, I end up going to Federico Fetici and saying what am I? Or, or Fraser Spears? <laughs> what am I doing wrong here? <laughs> like, what? Why? How? And and sometimes their answer is that should work. Um and then they'll think about it and they'll figure out that even for somebody who's very well versed in workflow stuff that uh, it's more complicated than they really thought and then they'll send me something and I'll be like, "Oh, I would never have guessed that you had to go through those steps." And and but you're right. It is sometimes it's generational or it's at least in, it, it's really contextual. Like command line, I don't love the command line, but like I've got some command line utilities that do incredible things for me, like um you know, Marcos talked about on ATP, he has this app called Sidetrack, which is still a private data, but it it lines up all the audio files of a podcast. And it's a command line utility. And I wrote a a very short automator action uh, with some Apple script in it that basically in the end, what it does is it lets me click on a file and say sidetrack this in the finder. And I don't have to go into the terminal. I do it all using the user interface. And that's great. And the Mac lets me do that. If I was on iOS, and even if I had that binary which i don't know what that would be but even if i did how would i enable that and i I think that's that's it will all i think it will all come right but it's right now it's uh it's just we have we have a complete platform and we have a still building platform and that's the difference it's like if you want to be able to do everything use the complete platform if you want to the 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 building platform has a lot of value but it's just not um it's just not all there yet
0: no, I don't think that I'm uh, out of the the woods of buying Macs. I think I I will be buying a new um, Mac laptop hmm. this yeah. year because my needs are different. You travel a lot. I travel a lot, and and I want something that's that's thinner and lighter than my current MacBook Pro for the times where I do want to take the laptop, which are becoming less and less, but it still exists as a thing when I travel and I want to be able to record and there isn't any other solution I want to have my Mac with me to do that especially now if like also I I expect that every time that I I leave I'll be working on videos as well so I will I definitely need for final cut so I want something that's thinner and lighter than what I currently have which means that it is likely that I will be purchasing a new laptop this year but it remains to be seen which one
1: I've thought about it because I hear you know I the temptation of a uh, like a MacBook that's much uh, thinner and lighter and it also has retina uh, if if I felt Confident that that would be a tool that I would need for the next five years, I would be more interested in that. But mine is in a pretty good is in a pretty good place. You also travel a lot, and you have tools that have to be run. You have, you know right. You have work that has to be done on a Mac, and that there aren't really any good solutions for that now. So that that all push pushes it in the other in in the other direction. But for me, I've been able to get away in in most cases without without the Mac and occasionally I will bring it. Like, well, we're, uh, So we're going to Ireland in a couple of weeks and I mm-hmm. am bringing a Mac there and there are a couple reasons for that. One is Lauren needs a Mac because she's got some stuff that she has to do for this organization that she's uh, a part of that requires uh, basically Excel macros that I wrote for her to simplify her her uh, workflow for that. So she needs that. So She needs a computer that's got Excel on it with macros. And uh, And then I've got enough podcast editing and stuff to do that i i really need to to bring that to and to read off of a off of a memory card so you know what are you gonna do you gotta read off a memory card you gotta bring your card reader and my card reader is apparently a macbook so uh you know i'm i'm still gonna bring that a mac is still gonna come with us because it has to
0: i will not be bringing a mac to island monster well actually i don't think i will be maybe i will be <laughs> Uh, yeah, we will be no, doing I, upgrade there. I will be. No, the reason, it, the only reason I will be is I, when I'm away. I need to publish Cortex. Oh, uh, see, and that there requires a Mac. Unfortunately, that's a shame. If I wasn't doing that, then I wouldn't be bringing one. Because when me and you record, I would just use your laptop. Which is how this is like the thing that I've been doing recently. Like, so when we were in Portland, I just kept like stealing Stephen's computer to do anything. So, so you need a Mac. It just doesn't have to be your Mac. (laughs) That's all that I care about, to be honest. Just put it in that bag. Talking of bags, yeah, I wanted to mention the bags that I use. So, for carry on, I have a bag called the uh, Topo Mountain Briefcase that I love very much. It is a briefcase-slash-backpack-slash-messenger bag. It has, like, three different ways you can carry it. Um, I've used it for a long time. It is my, like, airplane travel bag now. And and I I get a surprising amount of stuff inside this bag. It served me very, very well. Um, But then I also when I'm out and about in London or I usually take this with me on trips in case you know like so when I'm out and about walking around uh, is the Tom Bin Ristretto which is a shoulder bag um, and it's kind of made for small-ish devices but like laptops and stuff um, so I've been very happy with that and also I will give a shout out to Nokko, uh Brad Dowdy my co-host of the Pen Addict he has a Kickstarter running for a bag right now called the Lanier. Which I have been using more and more. It's kind of like, it is not meant to be like your daily bag. It is a briefcase, but it's a bag that you would take to a conference. I'll be bringing mine to UL, Um and it will be the thing that I would carry my iPad downstairs to the conference room with. That kind is that kind of bag, you know. So uh, oh. I'll put a link in there. You can still back the Kickstarter for the next couple of days, and then it will be. Uh, they'll be making it later on. But if you want it, you should get one. I have one. I got sent a prototype one, and I love it.
1: And uh, I've been using the Timbuk 2 laptop messenger bag. Some um, we got one. We got those back at IDG, and I still use that a lot. Um, and it fits my. I can actually put my iPad and my MacBook Air together. They can snuggle in the. Uh, oh, is that your bag
0: the, that has the Tech Hive logo on it?
1: Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's a Timbuktu. 2. And, but I have lots of other, I have lots of other bags too. I have a Brent Haven backpack that I've had for like 15 years that is still kicking that I love, um, that they don't make anymore. I actually found one on eBay the other day and I couldn't believe it because they don't, they haven't made it in 10 years. And I I really love that backpack and I'm worried that it's going to die. So I, I I spent 20 bucks and I bought, (laughs) I bought the, the eBay of the same, uh, on eBay, the same one just to have another
0: one because I love that backpack. What is the name of the Timbuktu bag that you have? They have many laptop messenger bags.
1: Well, I think it's called laptop messenger bag. <laughs> hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: I think I I think that's actually what it literally what it's called is uh is a laptop or custom laptop. I mean it's a it's custom It's probably because- custom
0: because they have yeah. custom laptop, they have classic laptop, they have commute laptop. We're going to go with custom.
1: I think it's I think it's custom classic messenger bag but I'm not 100% on that one.
0: We'll go with that. We'll just assume that's the one, right? People can yeah. look it up from
1: there. That's basically what it looks like.
0: I want to round this topic out with a uh, thought experiment, right, with you. Ooh. You're going on a trip and you can <sighs> only take one device. oh and this is a trip where you will need to be working on. What device do you take?
1: Uh, I would say it depends on what I'm what I'm working on during the trip. Like, am I editing podcasts? Am I recording podcasts on Skype? Am I recording things locally? Am I doing Apple Apple uh, quarterly report charts? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things. If I, if I could only choose one, it would depend on those, because often I will only bring the iPad Pro. But if I was in a case where I was doing things where I literally couldn't do it without a Mac, then I would have to choose a Mac because I would otherwise be unable to do them.
0: So, my feeling would be I would take the iPad and just work it out.
1: Yeah, well, that's, I can see that. If I knew, in fact, if I knew, I've had that happen where I visited my mom because she used to have a MacBook Pro and she doesn't anymore. She just uses the iPad. And when she had the MacBook Pro there, it, it gave me this other level of confidence of like, well, if I need to do something, I could just use her MacBook Pro. But now that she doesn't like, so visiting my in laws in Orange County, they have an iMac. And my actually, my mother in law has a has a MacBook Air too. So it's like I don't have to bring a Mac with me, and I could work it out. But if I'm going somewhere, so if I was going to Ul, and which I am, and I am fairly confident that there will be Macs there, right? <laughs> I could probably work it out, but I'm not going to. Um, so if if you said you you know you're going someplace where there's no other technology and you need to do things that require a Mac. Then I would, at that point I would start to think, do I really want to get a retina Mac laptop so that I can have the retina with me and have take retina screenshots and things like that. I, then I would start to think about that, but you know, generally they let you take a laptop and an
0: iPad with you when you travel. So that's good. Ladies and gentlemen, Open your iMessage applications. Find the correct sticker. You want to hold down on the up arrow. Select lasers because it is time for... Hashtag ask upgrade. Set with lasers. Steve wants to know, for a new iMac purchase, would you recommend a Fusion Drive or SSD plus external hard drive? I have lots of photos. I have not even considered or thought about Fusion Drive for a long time. Like it's just, It just fell out of my memory.
1: That's what Fusion Drive is for, right? If you've got, if you need a lot of space, it gives you the speed of the SSD, but the storage capacity of a spinning hard drive. And so, I, I think, I think either of those is probably fine. To Steve, the external hard drive will give you a little more flexibility, but you're also going to have a, a thing that you have to plug in. Um, the, the advantage. You know, you can get a different one. You can take it to a different computer. All of those things are not true with the Fusion Drive. It's inside your iMac at that point. Um, I opted for SSD, but I have a you know, I have an external hard drive. Essentially, I have a server with a, a giant storage area on it. You've got an external hard drive. for I have yours, a right?
0: Yeah, I have a couple that I use. Uh, I I keep actually two plugged in at all times for different things because one of them needs to be taken out and moved around more than the other. The other is basically just what I refer to as just it's actually just called cold storage. Like it's just yeah. where I put stuff and it stays forever. Um, like large things, I have some just weird files and etc. on there, uh, and one of the things that will be built into mega office will be some kind of network attack storage. When I, when I get around to that, right. I personally would say go SSD and external hard drives just because it gives you more flexibility. And and if you have the ability to do it and it's easy enough, like just get a, like a Thunderbolt something or other, or, you know, depending on the computer that you end up buying, whenever you buy it, there might be other options like USB three or whatever. Um, I just think that that's just way better. I don't. I just have an inherent distrust for Fusion Drive. It just seems super strange to me, and like yeah, I I feel like that there's just more likelihood of something getting broken somewhere along the way. I don't know. I think I think Fusion Drive is fine,
1: but yeah, I would say if you can afford to not and have an SSD and an external hard drive, the exceptions there are if you can't afford to do that, or if you really don't like desk clutter if you really don't like the sound of spinning hard drive enclosures, because that can be an issue where there's, you've got a noisy, you know, ticking thing on your desk. That is the spinning hard drive. Um, Then again, if you only need that in certain circumstances and you can have it off, Other circumstances, then that's fine too. So it really sort of depends on those kind of specific things. But all things being equal, yeah, I agree. SSD and then have an external, big external hard drive for you to use when you need the huge storage of your whole photo library.
0: Talking about things that I'd kind of forgot existed, Brent asked Is there any benefit to running more than one content blocker on iOS? I mean, my th- feeling is, I guess it depends what they do. Like, I don't know if it's worth running two just pure ad blockers if that's what you're looking to do. I feel like you, at a certain point, you're just going to be blocking, blocking, and blocking, blocking. Like, I don't really know how far it will take you. But there are content blockers that do different things. Um, like, there is a content blocker that I actually do run called, that I always forget is on. I think it's called like Cookie Jar or something like that. And all it does is is it stops the U- European Union cookie notifications appearing <laughs> on sites. It's, it's called cookie something. I'll see if I can find it. I, I can't even remember the name of it, but uh, I'll find it somewhere. I'll cookie box. It. Is that what it's called? Cookie box. There you go. Yeah. So I use that. Um, that's the only one that I've ever used because it, it just helps get rid of some of those when I'm going to websites from Twitter links and stuff like that. Um I don't run any other kind of content blockers. Do you run any? I don't. It just is a thing to me where it's like, all right, whatever. Like it's, I'm not even really taking a moral stand on it. I just know how frustrating it is and how that th- sometimes things don't work. Like we get people write to us every couple of days for the stuff to do with the membership, where they're like, I can't log in, and this the the the, the first answer is, do you run any content blockers? Because for whatever reason, it just breaks stuff. Right. So, you know, I I just can't be dealing with that. Yeah. Ads aren't that bad.
1: Yeah. I've decided in general that I would rather see the ads than have weird, incompatible experiences that I have to troubleshoot.
0: Yeah. It's just not, it's just not, it's just not worth it for me. I don't get enough frustration out of it to feel like I need to turn them on. Yep. Steve wrote in, So now the US Department of Transport says you cannot take the Galaxy Note 7 onto aircraft. Will this be something Samsung can bounce back from? I think it's going be tough, considering right now it is a federal crime to <laughs> take a Note 7 onto a plane... This is a a quote that I found from The Verge, which is quoting the Department of Transport. Passengers who bring a Note 7 onto a plane are subject to civil penalties of up to $179,933 where did they come up with these numbers? Dollars for each violation for doing this and could be prosecuted, which could result in imprisonment of up to 10 years as well as the fine. So I think that's pretty bad marketing for Samsung right now, um, especially because, like, if I'm an air like if I'm an air steward and I'm walking down the line and I see a Samsung device, do I know what a Note seven is? Or do I know I need to look right. out for Samsung devices? Right. I'm assuming that if you have any kind of Samsung device, you are being told to turn it off at the you know. Right.
1: Or at least you're being given the uh
0: you know the eyeball. Somebody's being checking asked, you out. Is that Mm -hmm. a Samsung device? I mean, like, this is like, at first it was you couldn't have them powered on. But now, if you have a Note 7, I don't know how they're checking what a Note 7 is or isn't. Like, I wonder what they're doing there. Uh, But they are saying you literally cannot board an airplane with it. I mean, frankly, if you still have one of these devices, you need to return it. Like, they are effectively taking time bombs at this point. Any of them could set off in flame right? Like, it is clear right now. It doesn't matter what the battery is. It doesn't matter where it's come from. Samsung have stopped making this device. I think they said they are killing the Note brand. Like, it's over. Like, you just need to return it now, I think. Like, I'm, I'm afraid the dream has to die. Well, what if you have a Note 5, right? It doesn't look that different. Maybe you've got it in a case. The Edge? The Edge is about the same yeah. size. The, the 7 Edge it just doesn't have the pen. I mean, it is a If you're a Samsung phone owner right now, this is a tricky situation to have to deal with every time you board public transport. Yeah, This is not good for them. This is really not good for them. I think, to answer
1: Steve's question, I think Samsung will bounce back from it, but it's going to cost them a lot. And, and it's going to take time and they're going to have to do some perhaps unintended product redesign, like not just the external, but like, or not just the internal, but the external, and they're going to have new branding and they're really going to have to relaunch their product line in order to get out of this. And there will be a hangover and it will be a few years before I think they will get back. I don't think they're going to exit the phone business. I would be shocked if something like that happened, but I think it's going to be, they're going to be in jail for a little while.
0: If Samsung is good at one thing, it is product marketing. Like in the sense of yeah. whether it's good or it's bad, they make sure everybody knows. They do their a lot products. of it. <laughs> like, and sometimes that's all it takes, though, right? Just blasting, and they are good at that. They are good at endorsement deals. They're good at getting their phones in rap videos. Like they're good at this stuff. Like they they understand how to do that.
1: Well, that's why Samsung that's why Samsung is the most successful Android phone ma- manufacturer, honestly, is because they they saw the potential of this market and made an investment upfront in huge marketing. Mm-hmm. Huge marketing. And there was a time when the Samsung phones were really not notably different or better than any other Android phones out there, I would argue. But they were the ones spending more than Apple <laughs> on marketing and they established themselves as the brand to be and they beat out, you know, Motorola and uh, the, the Verizon Droid marketing and all of that. They really they really owned it and they're going to have to use, you know, th- that investment is kind of blown now to a certain extent and they're going to have to spend more time. But I-, I have
0: no doubt that they'll bounce back. It's just going to cost them time and money. Like at this point, it is argued that they do make the best Android phones as well. But I agree that like initially when it was like earlier on, Whether they made the best phones or not, they were getting ahead because of their marketing. And now it's kind of like an inertia thing, right? The marketing's continuing, but they're also considered to be making great devices. Now they've kind of lost the latter of those two points because whether the devices are great or not, if they're catching on fire, or if they're known to catch on fire, that kind of undermines your product innovation. So I think they're going to struggle. I think that there is a possibility. There is, of course, a possibility this ends their phone division but it won't be a decision they make now i think it will be depending on how the next couple of revisions of phones do like if people decide not to buy their phones because they're scared they're going to catch on fire that's only a couple of revisions away like a couple of like product cycles away from ending up not doing that anymore i suppose my money would be on the fact that they are able to revive Mm -hmm. the division and and push ahead again but the possibility is definitely there
1: yeah, I I I can't see it happening. It would it would require an, a complete rejection mm-hmm. by the market and I don't think that'll happen also no. because the the there are so many other Samsung phones that are that mm-hmm. are fine that are that are not covered in this. It's really just the note and i feel like they will they, they will the only thing i would say is i think that the pride of the samsung brand is par, is going to be a factor here too where they're not going to like one thing to do would be to just create a new brand for phones made by samsung and do that but they're not going to do that because samsung is all about putting its own name on everything it makes whether it's yeah. a washing machine sure. or or a phone and so they're they're not they're not going to go away from that so maybe the galaxy brand goes away or maybe the note brand goes away and the galaxy brand stays and it gets called something different um we'll we'll see but i I don't think they're going anywhere they're just gonna have to take the take the hit for two or three years
0: no i find it very unlikely but i think my point is like i think the likelihood of them going away is higher than other phone makers at this point right like they have a thing in that's happening to them which isn't happening to anybody else which is their phones are considered dangerous right like that is a you know it's a, it's a different it's a thing not working in their favor but i, I want to underscore i think they will rebrand and they will bounce yeah. back but i don't think the next firm will bring them to the point where they want to be i think it will be in a couple of years time for them to yeah. really establish themselves back on top of the park there'll
1: be a dip and then it'll slowly come
0: back i think is what what will happen and i do think the galaxy brand is gone i think the note brand is gone i think it's brand new branding huh, that's i yes change as much as possible <laughs> Dave has asked, is there a way to see my purchased or slash downloaded iMessage apps on a second device without just searching the store? So my assumption of what Dave is asking is, "Is it how can I find out which apps I've downloaded on other devices? So the way that I do this is to look at the purchase tab in the main app store. All of the apps that you've purchased or downloaded are in there. And if there's just sticker packs or just iMessage apps, they're identifiable by the oval icon.
1: Well, I... I'm looking at on my iPhone at the purchase list and the um, message apps all still just have round rec icons,
0: just like every other app. Uh, no, you're right, Jason. I was wrong with that one. So you're out of luck, Dave. Yeah, you, there's no special
1: way to filter just um, things that have stamp packs. I, I, I am baffled by many things in the um, iMessage app store. But one of the things that I'm baffled by is that there's no, like, purchased link to just filter your purchased um, sticker packs or apps that
0: contain sticker packs. Especially because they don't sync. Yeah. Right? Because they don't sync from device to device. So the only way you can do it is by going in and downloading them again.
1: Well, they do. If you have if you have auto-download apps on, they'll auto-download,
0: right? But, yeah. But I don't. <laughs> So. Yeah, I mean, who who really has that on for everything? I don't know. I don't know about that. It's not great. Um, Jason asked, is there going to be any chance that the AirPod pairing process will come to the Apple Watch? I don't think that's needed. Um, the, the Apple no. already have a unique pairing and process for the Apple Watch using the camera and then the little dis- thing it displays. Oh,
1: you read that way? No, I I think this, this means uh, to pair your AirPods with your Apple Watch. Oh. That's how I read it. And my guess is that if you pair your AirPods with your iPhone, that perhaps they will direct they will automatically pair with the Apple Watch as well. But it's a I think yes. If I would be shocked if you can't fairly easily pair your AirPods with your Apple Watch.
0: It would just be paired via your account. Like you, you'll do it via the phone, as you say. But I, think I would think so for either of those. So whether it's pairing the Apple Watch and the phone, or pairing the AirPods to the watch, I think no for either of them. I don't think there's going to be any change. Yeah, I
1: don't know if you if you try to pair the Apple Watch with uh with AirPods, if it will pop up a little thing that says, you know, let's let's do this, or whether you need to do a standard Bluetooth pairing with those. I don't know whether they've added that into WatchOS yet or not, but I would think that they would make it as easy as possible to connect it if it isn't automatically connected when you're connected to uh, the iPhone. If it doesn't also pair it with your Apple Watch, I don't know.
0: And finally today, Landon asked how tall I am, uh, <laughs> because, because after watching my vlogs, uh, he was curious. Uh, Landon, I am about six foot tall on the money, um, and if you are in Europe, let me find out what that is. Six feet in meters. It's 1.8 meters tall. Mm. How tall are you, Jason. I
1: am uh, somewhere between 5 foot 10 and 5 foot 11. On a good day I'm 5 foot 11. On a bad day I'm
0: 5 foot 10. This is one of those funny things where I was almost positive that you were taller than me. Absolutely not. I, everybody that I know I think is taller than me. I don't know what that says about me, but I'm sure a psychologist would have a field day with that. We are all much shorter than Andrzej Tomic. That's the important thing to note. By a country mile. He is yes, he is a and that country is Slovenia. <laughs> By a Slovenian mile. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. You want to go to our show notes today at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 111 or look in your app of choice to find all of the links that you need so you can download the Relay FM sticker pack and the app. But more importantly than that, even for this week, to find all of the links you need to the various merchandise options that are available for this week only, once the door is closed, the door is closed. So if you want to get this stuff... You have to go now. I will not accept people saying to me, oh, you didn't give me enough notice. This is your notice. All right? This is your final warning. Would you agree, Jason? Final warning right now. Final warning. Final warning. If you want to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com, and he is at Jason L on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, I host many podcasts here at Relay.fm, as does Jason. Is our URL, Relay.fm. The company's name is Relay.fm. There is no dot in the company name, but there is a dot in the URL. So I feel like I must say it both ways. I also publish YouTube videos over at YouTube.com slash Mike Hurley. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much again to our sponsors this week, FreshBooks and the Nuisance Committee. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Mr. Snell. Goodbye, Mr. Hurley.
2: What's going on inside Donald Trump's head? Do you think he's ever scared or wonders if he's wrong? In public, he calls people names. He's a germaphobe, and he doesn't like to be touched. Trump spreads conspiracy theories and makes wild accusations. He says that Ted Cruz's father helped assassinate JFK. He says that Obama is a traitor who wants Muslims to attack the United States and that Hillary Clinton might have committed murder. He thinks climate change is a conspiracy created by the Chinese government. Do you think he believes those things? He used money from his charity to buy a six-foot painting of himself. He lied to the press about helping to clear rubble after 9-11. In interviews Trump has said he's too busy to read books. He seems to not know how to use a computer or type on a keyboard. Donald Trump doesn't know what's in the United States Constitution. When a member of Congress asked him about Article 1, which defines congressional powers, he said, I am going to abide by the Constitution, whether it's number 1, number 2, number 12, number 9. The Constitution has seven articles. This November, the American people will elect a sane and reasonable president who understands the basic facts about our democracy. And that won't be Donald Trump.
0: The Nuisance Committee is responsible
1: for the content of this advertising.